This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. This is the final cast segment with your hosts, Brad Hicks and Josh Eldridge, where we cast our final opinions on all products, good and bad. Welcome to the final cast. You're listening to the final cast on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brad. With me tonight is Jimmy and Brian. How you guys What's doing? Up? Good, good. Glad good to have you guys on. It's been a while since I talked to Brian. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, he's too I, good for the rest of us over there on the OG show. You know, we don't exist anymore <laughs> in the podcast oh, realm. Stop, stop, stop. Yeah. It was uh it was unfortunate. We missed you down at the meetup, dude. Yeah, so. I'm sure you heard last week's episode where well, with our Armando. Yeah. I was I was kind of talking a little crap to you guys. That's all right. That's all right. It's all fun and games. Yep. Until we actually meet up with you. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. Yep. <laughs> well, cool. We got a cool uh, segment planned tonight. Um, we had a few listeners uh, send a message, like me and Jimmy asked a few weeks ago, and uh, people were wanting to talk about batteries. So we brought on uh, Kevin Zanjani from uh, BioNO Power to talk about batteries. Welcome to the show, man. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, look forward to answering the questions tonight. Uh, uh, again, we're, I'm Kevin with BioNO Power, national sales manager based out here in Santa Ana, California. Awesome. So how how long warm is been? it out there? Well, I got to ask this. How warm is it? Out there? Uh, it's in the 70s right now, uh, low 70s uh, today. It's, it's 32 here in northern Illinois, 32. so I envy you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cold here too. It's, it's yeah, it was like I know you guys don't here today, so 
Yeah, I envy both of you. <laughs> Very cool. So how how long have you been been with BioNO? I've been with the company since since its inception. Uh, this is our tenth year, so we've been around since 2010, 10 years. Uh, manufacturing uh, lithium iron phosphate batteries uh, and uh, various other products too, um, like solar products that support the batteries um, for various different markets, including uh, the marine market, uh, which we've entered into this market in the past five years or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's growing rapidly. Uh, like uh, uh, lithium ion batteries are getting real popular with the kayak anglers out here. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. We're seeing a a huge trend in switching over from, you know, old lead acid batteries. Uh, They just don't keep up with a lot of the equipment, fish finders, Mm -hmm. and now controlling motors as well. Um, Lithium batteries tend to perform a lot better uh, over a lead acid battery. Um, Oh, and and the big thing is the weight, too. I mean, we're we're limited on what kind of weight. I mean, some of these boats can handle hundreds and hundreds of pounds of extra weight, but I don't want an extra 80-pound battery. If I don't have no. to have it, because I've done it and it's it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. same here. <laughs> it's much lighter. In fact, um, we've got some. This is a, like a 12 volt, 12 amp hour lithium iron phosphate battery. And so this would typically a lead acid version would be about maybe about 11, 12 pounds. This is only about three pounds. So yeah, uh, you know, about a third the weight of a lead acid battery. Um, and uh, it's pretty packaged pretty well in terms of for the marine environment uh we put uh, like a coating inside of it so they get water uh, resistant um it's a little different than a lead acid battery because we put circuitry inside these batteries it's like uh, we have these little computer chips that are built into it called a protection circuit module or battery management system and what that does is it uh, what they call equalizes the voltage across all the cells inside the battery protects against overcharge, over-discharge, over-current. So if you were to leave, let's say, your equipment turned on, it would protect the cells inside the battery. So mm-hmm. the battery can last two or two to 3,000 charge cycles because of the chemistry that's in, inside of it versus a lead-acid battery, which lasts maybe about 200 cycles. So um, wow. I know every season, a lot of people change out the lead batteries because mm-hmm. they don't put it on the tender. They don't charge it. They forget to right. do that. And they realize, oh, it, it, there's like acid came out the tops. It, went, it got all crusty and stuff. Um, this doesn't happen with this chemistry. There's no, there's no sulfation. There's no acid in here. Uh, in fact, all these batteries, um, they're made up of these cylindrical cells. So this is the actual cells that are used to make up every particular lithium iron phosphate battery that we provide. Um, and then they're all chained together in series and parallel mm-hmm. to get the voltage and the capacity. Um, so this type of cell is called a um, cylindrical spiral wound cell. Um, it's different than what you find in the uh, lithium batteries that are used in your phones. The ones using your phones are called a um, are called a pouch cell. They're mm-hmm. not really intended for use for a very high end uh, discharge. In other words, if you have like a fish finder that pulls like a couple amps, they're not really in- those batteries are not really intended for that use. Uh, I know that some customers of ours that were initially trying lithium batteries, they were trying to use those little jump packs um, in order oh, to power yeah, fish yeah. finders. And that didn't work out well. Um, they need something that can support the voltage and, and the power that's required for the fish finders and for the trolling motors. You don't want to use those. 
Uh, you want to use something that's made up of cylindrical cells built into in, built inside the batteries. So. so that actually kills what we were talking about last week, Brad. I think it was last week about running a fish finder on the anchor power pack that I use for mm-hmm. my camera. We, you said, I bet you could. I said, mm-hmm. you probably could, but now I know that I'm wrong. So yeah. it probably <laughs> works, but it's not long. <laughs> yeah, it, will, it won't last long. It's, uh, there's a mismatch on the voltage. Um, they use some kind of conversion circuitry that doesn't get you the right na- native voltage that's required to run the equipment. So the runtime will be really short. Uh, so something like this, we kind of match the size um, to meet the requirements. So you're replacing a lead-acid battery with the lithium iron phosphate batteries, um, and then that's what gives you the runtime. It's very different. In fact, um, if you have a, uh, like, this is, for example, a 12-volt, 12-amp-hour lithium battery, it's almost a two-to-one conversion. This would replace a 24-amp-hour lead-acid AGM battery because yeah. you can use yeah. all the capacity out of it. You know, yeah. lead battery is only a 50% usable, so it's a, it's a huge advantage. Um, and I have a larger one here, like a 20-amp-hour lithium. 20-amp-hour lithium is like 40-amp-hour lead acid in terms of the mm-hmm. runtime, and that thing is heavy. Um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, this thing weighs about 7 pounds. That's probably going to be about, I think, about 20, 30 pounds. You think about, like, I have one of your, one of y'all's 100-amp. Uh, it's only 23 pounds or something like that. Yeah. That thing is light. And if it's a two to one, I mean, good God, that's <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because I used to run the lead acid battery back in the mm-hmm. day on my Bonafide. And like we talked about with weight, I mean, it just sagged that thing down. I mean, I'm not a light guy. You add that 80 pound battery. And now that I have the 100 amp hour, it's like, is it? Did I forget to put the battery in the back? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, because the boat's not sagging. But that's the thing, too. And, and maybe you can touch on that a little bit, Kevin. You you mentioned, like, lead acid has 50% power, whereas a lithium's 100%, like, full discharge. Maybe explain that a little bit for guys and gals that may not totally understand that whole concept. Yeah, sure. So there's, um, in a lead acid battery, if you were running... Um, if you were to run that battery full discharge, 12 volt, 12 amp hour, just use as a simple example, if you pull 12 amps out of that battery, um, you would bring that voltage way down really fast because the way that they rate the lead acid batteries, they don't want you pulling 12 amps out of a 12 amp hour battery. Mm-hmm. They want you to pull something like maybe two or three amps out of that battery to get you the correct runtime. It was, it was, it's what they call. A, a lower discharge rate rating it's called a d rating on the battery whereas with the lithium iron phosphate batteries you can you can get all of that capacity out of it if you pull let's say in that 12 volt 12 amp hour battery this battery of this size for example you pull the 12 amps out of it you're going to get all of that usable capacity out of the battery because the chemistry um different than a lead acid battery um, was intended for use at its maximum discharge current so uh, it can handle that runtime without any problems. Um, the way that they rate lead acid batteries, they didn't rate them at the full amps that you could pull out of it. It's something, it's called a, a D rating or uh, a lower discharge rate rating on, on the batteries. Um, uh, they're rated over capacity over five. So C over five rating, if you've probably seen that, um, it's, it's basically uh, how they rate the batteries in order to give um, the runtime that they're saying in a table Whereas the lithium batteries, it's different. 
it's, a, it's at what they call a 1C rate, meaning you can capture all that capacity at that uh, max current that's required for running the, running, um, the equipment. And so that's, that's the fundamental difference, is how they rate the batteries for lead acid is different than lithium, where it's rated at a, at a higher rate for lithium, meaning you can capture all the capacity. That's awesome. And for anybody that's on listening to the podcast and not checking it out on YouTube, the cylindrical cell packs he's holding, just imagine for the size he had it, like a roll of quarters. Yeah, so yeah. It's or just a multiple. size D battery, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah it, so there's just a series of those inside that casing wired series. You're in a yeah. series, that's pretty awesome. Or, or even a shotgun shell. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. they kind of right. get all uh, spot welded in here, and then they get packaged up into something like this uh, for the marine environment. Um, we do offer other batteries. Uh, they look something like this. They're a little different package. They have these connectors. They're on our mm -hmm. website. Uh, you may have saw, saw these batteries. Uh, these are for other markets, like radio communications equipment, um, okay. uh, where they plug it directly into equipment. It's, uh, we're not uh, intending this for the marine market because it's not a sealed package. Um, sure. Some customers, uh, they've used dry bags and things like that. Um, you, know, you have to put a little extra protection to use those batteries in a marine market. We advise using something that's sealed where everything has been epoxied um, and there's a coating, a conform coating inside protect the board and things like that. It's really important. Just want Something's, to emphasize that. Something I'm familiar with from the non-marine rated batteries, I used to do RC cars, and we yeah, used to run 11.1 uh, volt, three cell lithiums. And yeah, yep. you talk, like, we had to be, we were required to carry them, like, at certain courses in lithium bags, because for anybody yep, that's yep. not familiar with lithium, if you've never seen one, like, I've, I've seen a guy cut one with a razor blade on accident. And the fire that happens from that is like it's immediate and it's intense. Hmm, so it's yeah. lithiums are definitely something you have to be safe with. But these packages that the marine rated batteries yeah. are in, I mean, they're they're pretty indestructible. You know, this they're, is yeah, a, tough. Yeah, this is a little different than traditional lithium ion. I want to emphasize also we said I said lithium iron phosphate, I R O N. Okay. So iron phosphate is different than traditional lithium ion that's used in the polymer batteries for RC cars. Uh, if you go on YouTube, there are videos. They actually can stick a nail through the cell without having any kind of fire or any situation mm. like that. Awesome. Uh, okay. Because, of the, because the, the chemistry we're, do, we're using, iron phosphate, uh, which is written here on the side, um, is inert. In other words, it doesn't, um, it, it, the bond is very, very tight. Um, so it's not subject to any issues if, if there's puncture that occurs inside the cell from a safety standpoint is superior over polymer based. Oh batteries. yeah, no, that makes me feel even better. Yeah, like, so yeah. Better. <laughs> yeah, that's why in this market for marine use, uh, we're focused on that chemistry for all our markets that we're in. Uh, mm -hmm. And it lasts, the cycle life is also longer than a traditional lithium ion, I-O-N batteries, like the ones that are in your phones. These are polymer batteries, um, and these batteries, uh, for the polymer batteries, um, they maybe last maybe about 800 cycles, um, and then they don't, you know, your phone battery maybe lasts maybe a couple of years, and you'll notice after two years they start, the cycle life is much, much shorter. Whereas this yeah. one, it's like two to 3,000 cycles, and that's almost like a seven mm -hmm. to 10-year service life on yeah. it. And we have the original ones out there. We brought them to market in 2012, and they've been... The original ones are out there since 2012. It's been eight years. 
Uh, we go back oh, wow. to those original customers, their OEM customers, and they said, you know, we're asking them, do you, do you need to change it out? And they're like, no, it's still going. Um, That's so awesome. It's, yeah, so it's, the chemistry is proven to be very robust. Iron, lithium iron phosphate is, is probably the most robust you can get on the market in terms of available chemistries right now. That's insane. That's cool. I love Go, that. Going back to these encasements of the batteries, are, is that 100% waterproof? Yeah, so we uh, we use an epoxy coating, uh, and then we have a conform inside. So we've you know for submerge if it gets submerged, it's protected. Um, so we're 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 using these types of, of cases uh, for this application. Um, some customers they also uh, they like to also use a battery box. Uh, the mm -hmm. they're like the Noco has has some battery boxes on the market, um, and they just want to put everything in the box, and then they add something another layer to it, you know, if, if, you know, you tip over on the kayak or something happens, uh, they got stuff in there as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, we've added that uh, to, to the batteries to protect it. That's awesome. So going back to like the discharge, right? Like on, you know, when you we were talking about lead acid versus lithium ion, like a lead acid as that battery's dying, like, you know, for my trolling motor, um, as an example, like you would go slower and slower and slower and you'd know when it was full discharge. Is there a way, whereas lithium ion, it just, it's solid. And then when you hit that full discharge, you got nothing. Mm -hmm. Is there a way, um, and I've seen a couple things. Is there a way to, um, know like what, how much you have left? Like, is there some yeah. kind of like regulator or monitor that you can use to, to know when you're getting close to that? Yeah, there's a couple products on the market. Um, there's, a, there's a product, uh, there's a couple products. One product is called a DC inline watt meter. It's a little gadget you put in between the battery and the fish finder or the trolling motor. It's, it's available on various sites. You can go to one of our partners, powerworks.com. It's available online. Look up DC inline watt meter. Um, and that will let you measure what goes in between. It's, it, it goes right between the battery and the equipment. It'll tell you how many okay. amp hours are used. It's like a fuel gauge, but it, it, it kind of works. Um, it needs to know how much is going through the meter. It's like a water okay. meter. That's the, that's yeah, the analogy. Yeah, sure, sure, so sure. it just tells you how much is used. Then you'll know when the battery is consumed. Um, other companies, a company called Victron has made a product mm. called the BMV712. It's on, uh, we've, I've cut customers that use that particular meter. It has a, um, a Bluetooth interface. Um, so it goes right to your phone and it'll actually oh, show you cool. how many amp hours are consumed as well. It's a little fancier. Um, uh, I've seen customers that typically use it on, on, um, the bass boats. So they, oh, yeah. yeah, batteries is, is kind of tucked away in the compartment. They want something on the phone that'll give you how many amp hours are used. You know, exactly when the battery is about to turn off. So there's a lot of companies, uh, companies out there um, that provide these accessory products um, that support the lithium 
batteries uh, to get exactly that information that you need. And they've got all sorts of functionality on it now. So Gotcha. Brian, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I just recently killed my battery. I, I went on two trips before that 100 amp hour completely cut out. And on the XI3, it has a uh, spot that's supposed to show you when you're connected to a uh, lead-acid battery. Well, it, that does, that's not compatible with a lithium-ion. So I'm sitting here right. going and going and going, and all of a sudden it just gets really slow all of a sudden and then just cuts off. I'm like, that battery indicator did not let me know my battery is about to die. That's crazy. So I'm yeah, going to so, say this because he already corrected you. It's iron phosphate. Yeah. Iron phosphate. Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? You said ion. It, it just rolls yeah. off the tongue. Oh, it does. Well, I think we're just so accustomed to that nowadays. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what you, that's the no, term. I'm glad you he, like, I honestly couldn't have, I knew there was a difference, but I didn't know it was that much of a difference. Yeah. 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 yeah it's a pretty big difference in our industry. It's pretty distinguished. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, that meter will help a lot. Uh, a lot of customers have installed either the DC line watt meter or the, um, or the, BMV seven twelve unit, um, and uh, it works. Yeah, out. I just looked that up, and that thing's awesome. Yeah, it's pricey, mean. but it looks cool enough. I'd probably pay for it. Yeah, the DC in line is a little bit more reasonable. Uh, one, I think one's in the forty to fifty dollar range. The other one goes up to like close to two hundred. But you can get yeah. the basic one; it will do the job too. So interesting. I have to check that out. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think I've I've heard stories, Brad, like same instance as you, like mm -hmm. you know, and that and that's why I brought that up is it's it's something that uh, could be considered. Like me, and, and here's a question, Kevin. Like me personally, after every outing, I just put my battery on the charger and recharge it. Is that bad, or should you do a full discharge? So there's no memory effect in this chemistry. So that means if you partial cycle the battery, it won't damage or degrade the battery. So if you okay. were to charge it after going out, it, it'll, you'll still get the two to 3,000 charge cycles. So a cycle is you completely charge the battery, then you completely drain it, the battery shuts off, you charge it again. You get two to 3,000 of those cycles out of the battery. Uh, we're seeing more closer to 3,000 from our analysis so far, uh, which is really good. Um, if you partial cycle it, it's considered like, let's say you only go half a cycle. That's not one cycle. That's half a cycle. So you could mm -hmm. expand the service life of this battery for more than the seven to 10 years. Um, this if you don't gotcha. use it, which is a big deal, um, in the battery industry, um, from what we're seeing. Uh, so if you got a battery that's out there at least eight years and it's still not finished, that means there's still a lot of re reserve capacity. So if you're just going out once a week, um, you're good because you're not cycling it every day. I'm going to um, have this battery for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, we're, we'll see how, how it all goes on the original ones. We, that first group of customers, we, uh, we reach out to them quite a bit because uh, we got a couple of units back, and there's still quite a bit of reserve in there. We actually put it on our mm. tester. Um, these, were 12, these were basically this size battery. Um, they were the same type of battery. Uh, and we saw, like, you know, when we sent it out, it's like, you know, 95 to 90, you know, 8% depth of discharge, really close to 100%. And then after eight years, it's still like, is only like 91%, which is still, that's huge, you know, uh, even after that time period. So that means uh, the chemistry is a lot, this type of chemistry in this package cell tends to be very robust. And the electric mm -hmm. car industries has, you know, is doing the same thing. They've got cylindrical cells that, the chemistry mix is a little different in the electric car industry. They're going, 
they have to put a lot of high discharge current. So they don't use lithium iron phosphate. They have their own mixes that they made um, because of some other requirements for what they need to do for, for running electric motors. Um, but the, you know, this type of package tends to be the most robust from what the industry is seeing versus any type of you know, pouch cell. Pouch cells are good for phones and maybe your laptop or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for a marine use application where you need it, you're going to expose it to, you know, various temperatures um, on the cold and high ends. Um, mm -hmm. The package is really important for the battery, not just the chemistry, but also how it's packaged. That's awesome. So a, a question I had um, with these style batteries. So like you're saying, they'll, you know, 3000 charges in the last 10 years, you know, stuff like that. If you're not using it heavily, do they have like a shelf life or do they cycle down? Like I know, like for instance, if you take a lead acid battery, I used to work on cars and we always used to talk about it. You can leave one sitting on the concrete. You can take a brand new lead acid battery. You can leave it out there for two or three weeks and it'll be almost dead just from mm -hmm. yep. sitting at rest. Yeah. So the lead acid batteries, uh, they have to again have a tender or some power source attached to the alternator. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise it goes bad. Uh, this is different. Um, lithium iron phosphate batteries, if you let it sit on the shelf for uh, on an annual basis, it only loses 3% of its capacity. So that's a very small amount. That means if you have a 12 amp hour battery, uh, 3%, I've got to calculate, is about 0.36 amp hours um, that's lost, which is extremely low. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a very low amount, um, which uh, you know, versus any type of other battery chemistry that is available, commercially available on the market. Um, that so is that's, awesome. It's, it's super low. So we have customers that have left stuff sitting for a few months and they've gone back and they've sent us, you know, emails saying, oh, I put it on the charger. It came, you know, everything is working out. This is pretty neat. And we're like, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, you can leave it for a few months and still be have a um, good peace of mind on that. Now, if you don't want to lose that 3%, in the notes, we say, you know, every we, we suggest every few months you do charge the battery because then you won't lose that 3% at the end of the year. Right. It's, it's there, right? So better to do that. You know, it's some customers like what they like to do is they write, they put notes on their batteries, they pull a sticker, and then they just put the dates that they do it. Mm -hmm. It's small things like that you can do. And um, yeah, I was, I was curious up. about it because it's like me and Brad and, and one of our other guys, Jay, took a trip to Kentucky Lake. I used the battery, you know, it was fully charged. I used it. We were probably, you know, water. It was heavy wind and current, so it really got used. Went home, never charged it. It sat there for a month, and then we we uh, had a trip to Tennessee not too long ago, and I tried running my motor and my graph, and I finally killed it. You know, it finally, and the <laughs> graph and the motor on the, you know, battery, that was a lot of, you could watch it pulling it down but as soon as i because i usually run one of y'all's 30 amp hour i run my nine inch graph with yeah and i used it the rest of the weekend i put three days of fishing on it and it never got below 13 13 volts it never yeah. it never dropped and then when i, I put the just thing. 100 amp back on the motor I, I i didn't kill it in two days so it's but i was just curious about that because i know i had used it hard let it sit and then sure. didn't charge it and went at it again i was just wondering what that rate of loss was and yeah, at that and one month it'd be like nothing <laughs> like, yeah, yeah it's small um that little meter that i mentioned earlier will be really useful because you'll be very surprised in fact we've uh checked uh with folks 
um, in terms of the consumption. It's very small. Um, the fish finders pull about a couple amps. It's the trolling motors that have a little bit of variance. In other words, mm -hmm. between trolling motors, some pull more amps than others uh, at 12 volts. Now, the high voltage ones, those are more on bass boats. Uh, but a 12-volt trolling motor, um, you know, we've seen, depending on uh, on the conditions in the water. So if it's a high, you know, high current, the motor works much harder. And so it has to pull more power out of the battery. So yeah. if you find that it's a really choppy out there, the battery, uh, you need a larger battery to keep up with, with that type of environment. But if you're on a calm, you know, in a lagoon or lakes out here on the West Coast, you know, our lakes are very calm and, and lagoons are, we have are very, very calm. Uh, but if you're out, you know, in the Great Lakes area or, or wherever you're based, um, different parts of the country, you know, it's going to be a lot different. So uh, that meter will help you because it will actually tell you how many amp hours are being consumed out of the battery um, and amps. And you'll be surprised. It's it's all a function of the the water current. It's a, just the flow rate in the water. How what's the speed of the of the what's going on in the water? Pretty much, mm -hmm. um, and it will completely affect. Uh, the runtime on the battery for trolling motors. Fish finders, um, the graphs, we're seeing a lot of, uh, the bigger the screens, the, the more power they're consuming. The transducer, right. the, um, apparently there's some things that we checked with some of the manufacturers. Um, the electronics that are going in, in the sonar portion of it, uh, there's more power consumption now mm -hmm. because of all this side imaging and scanning. Yeah. That thing pulls a lot of power. So, uh, the old fish finders, graphs, they were pulling maybe about half to three quarters an amp. Some now are pulling, I've seen two amps. I've seen some up to three amps um, and higher. Uh, and it depends on the manufacturer. Um, and it's just going that trend right now. So the lead batteries, they just don't work out um, yeah. at all. Oh, and no, I had, I had a toy. I'm sorry, Ryan, go ahead. No, uh, I was going to say, uh, it's funny he mentioned the, the battery use. This is a testament to the 100 amp hour Biono battery I have. I one charge got me upstream and back, upstream and back two trips. That was 12 miles, and it finally yeah. died within the last like half mile to the boat ramp. Yeah, the and I'm going like I'm going up current that's raging downstream like two to three miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. that uh, when I took that's it to awesome. across when I put it through its first first paces, I went five miles in a current that was so strong the boat would only do a mile an hour yeah. and I, did that, I did that for yeah. six hours and it never checked up and it yeah like, that, it, I, I have no fear of that battery battery failing me on the water like straight up like <laughs> yeah it, it works i was on the colorado river um uh about a few weeks ago and we were running some batteries out there uh was a there's a marina out there um and so uh, I, I, I typically have gone uh, with some, I don't fish that much. So that's the thing. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I, my colleagues are more into that. So where I've gone is up in the lakes and down in some lagoons here, but in the Colorado river, it's, it's, yeah. So I got to experience that, you know, and uh, you need a large battery for the trolling. Oh motor, yeah, for sure. It's without a doubt. And from what, what we've seen, some of the errors and mistakes that are made, uh, with the purchase of the trolling motor battery is they undersize it, the customers, and we need to consult with them and see where exactly they're using it. Because, you know, yeah, maybe you don't need a 100-amp-hour battery, 
in a lagoon or, or a calm lake, right? Mm -hmm. you, but you'll need it on a river fighting four miles an hour current. It's really important that you size it up to meet that requirement. Um, and so uh, we've, we work with people to determine the differences um, based on the water conditions. So it's really good. Yeah, no, that even when, you know, when I emailed and was talking with you, I was like, yeah, I'm running a, you know, 55 pound trolling motor. I, I just think I should get an 80 and Kevin was like, no, hundred. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, I'm, tried I'm it so out. glad that I did that. Like <laughs> to know what's that, going on. Yeah. That does bring up a good question though. Cause uh, we've had listeners ask, they, they don't have the money for a hundred amp hour battery. What is the lowest you would go for a 12 volt trolling motor? Um, the, so it's how many pound thrusts? That's the question. Just typical 55. 55. Yeah, it's going to be a, I wouldn't go less than the 60. Um, okay. You going less than the 60, it's just not going to, it's not going to meet the requirements um, for the run times, especially if you're fighting some current in the water. Um, if you're on a, again, a calm lake or you know, something that's calm, that's really, yeah, it's not, you could go maybe a little bit lower, 40, 50 amp hours. But if you experience, you know, tournament, if you're going to tournaments and you're experiencing different water conditions, you need something a little bit larger. Um, if you're more casual, if, the, you know, in the audience, if you're not, you know, one of these tournaments and it's all recreational, the smaller one you can get by with a, with a bit of a shorter runtime, you know, half a day as opposed to the whole day, uh, if that's acceptable. So uh, just want to, you know, it, it just depends. Yeah, no, and it, you know, Brad bringing it up about people not being able to afford or not wanting to spend the money on a, you know, the hundred amp battery. Well, just listening to what you've talked about of what you can expect and how long to last. And I mean, and just like you were saying, Kevin, you know, a lot of these guys, they're getting used once or twice a week, you know, mm -hmm. at most and yeah. not all the time, like Brad's talking about heavily. So if you invest in one of these batteries, you may not, you might decide to get out of kayak fishing before you ever finish that battery off, you know? So yeah that's it's a that's heck of true. an investment heck yeah. i mean we'll, we'll be in something completely different than what kayaks are now in 10 years yeah i mean we'll <laughs> it'll be i don't even want to think about it <laughs> they'll have bio no batteries built into them or something who knows <laughs> might have that yeah it's uh it's been uh the market's growing for sure uh yeah this compared to what it was even 10 years ago it's very different than what it used to be um all right i guess my next question is since the uh, 100 amp hour battery is a little bigger, how many of those cells are actually in those? Uh, we've, I think there's about 130 or 140 cells uh, that make the 12 volt 100 battery. Um, <laughs> Holy that's cow. crazy! Yeah, it's, it's somewhere <laughs> in that range. Um, it's quite a, it's quite a bit uh, that make it up. Uh, each battery cell is 3.2 volts. Um, 3.3 amp hours so they get strung together and then they make a large pack um there are cylindrical cells in there and then they get monitored so there's um spot welding and there's some wiring that senses all the different cells and the circuit board monitors all of that um internally like a computer just monitors it um and it, it has some capabilities of it, it fault tolerance things like that so it's it's all built into the pack so it's it's pretty neat how it works um, it's very, it is crazy. Very nice. It makes uh, me want to take one apart, but I'm not yeah. going. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably, usually like, how I figure that. out how something works is I take it apart. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I'm not going to do that this time, though. <laughs> probably not safe, right? 
Yeah, it's, there's spot welding. You have to remove a circuit board. You have to mm -hmm. be trained on what's a, what wires to pull and what. what yeah. Not. We don't advise. So uh, we do yeah. that here in our facility. Um, we have a production facility here in Santa Ana, California. So we've been, uh, you know, building here. We have production here, um, support here. Uh, uh, we can do everything here uh, in California um, nationwide. So we can support this product here, and we do support it. Um, which is good, you know, so yeah. some other companies don't have that um, capability, but we do. So uh, it gives us, I think, uh, you know, opportunity for your customers or potential customers that want to learn more about it. They can certainly, you know, contact us. That's, That's cool. awesome. Sweet. That was something I was going to ask is like manufactured in-house or shipped overseas or because we yeah, were talking to you know, a lot here. of people. Yeah, a lot of people get on that you know, American made is better, blah, 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 blah. And we were talking about it, you know, like a lot of guys that are all about that don't realize that like tungsten weights that are real big in the fishing industry, mm -hmm. tungsten is not harvested made naturally in, in North States. America. Yeah. And it's not even 100%, you know? Yeah. And that, and I, you know, I, I wasn't sure how that was with lithium batteries. I was like, you know, it could be another one of those things that the material itself raw may come from overseas, but but I was glad that you got on that. So there, you manufacture, yeah. put everything together. Yeah, we have a production over here, um, and so it lets us be able to respond uh, quickly to the market demands. Uh, we can build different size batteries pretty quickly um, doing that in the battery industry. Um, and also, maintaining that quality control is really critical. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. We um, we're expanding um, the business. Uh, throughout the next several years. We have a plan for that as well. So we've growing that business, um, it's growing different product lines and things like that. So um, we're on that trajectory, which is good. So we're no, gonna continue great. to do that. And so that's despite awesome. COVID and things like that, um, that was a little bit yeah. of a hiccup this year, but that's been you know sorted out. Mostly that was mostly government kind of uh, yeah. requirements, but now we're yeah. gonna do that. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. What's what's the biggest battery you guys have made? We can do up to twelve volt, three hundred amp hours, which is going to be in an eight D size case, which is something that weighs about uh, ninety pounds. Um, it's three hundred amp hour lithium. Uh, it's on our website. It's as big as kind of, you know, it's like three twelve volt hundreds, um, kind of stacked side by side in terms of the case. But 8D is the size case we can do. That's typically, um, from what we've seen, it's mostly for the uh, like RV market campers, but we've done it also for the houseboats. So That's cool. uh, there are customers that live on boats. Um, we got customers here that live on, on houseboats here mm -hmm. off the coast. Uh, it's not, I mean, it's not as many people, but there are people that live on, on boats and uh, out in on the East Coast too, uh, like in Florida, for example, here in California, it's common. Um, get a slip and you can rent a slip and, and live there. And so they they need more power. Um, mm -hmm. So they need 300 amp hours. You'd be surprised. They, you know, 300 amp hours is actually when you run a bunch of stuff, um, you can use it quite a. You can bring it. You know, you can consume it quite a bit. So um, they might get a pair of those. Uh, we've done installs. Um, you know, it's up to, I've seen 900 amp hours. So that's three of those mm, uh, configurations. Um, uh, but I've, I would say like one to two pieces of those tend to be the most common in the setups on houseboats. 
obviously on a kayak it's a little different but <laughs> on a right. trolling hey. motor for yeah, days. you're gonna use more for the trolling motors but hey. it makes me think when you said the 8d case it makes me think if i used to do industrial heavy equipment mechanic so you would have the 36 volt 8d you know i don't even know how many coal cranking amps. i mean they were giant batteries but you'd have those packs wired series for forklifts and all yeah. sorts of cool stuff so that's but that houseboats that's cool the the place we just got back from uh eastport marina and resorts on uh, Dell hollow lake in tennessee and one of the local guys was telling me that it's the houseboat capital of the world like yeah. that's what you see when you go out on that lo- lake is the i don't know how the dnr has everything set up but they have places all over the lake where you can just legally pull up and dock a houseboat and tie it off to the bank mm. yeah pretty pretty neat that's cool yeah, yeah going back to these batteries, the uh, 300 amp hour, it's funny that that's mentioned right now because K- KBF recently talked about having two motors on a kayak, one front, one in back. Yeah. You could have a battery for both motors, and that that's could insane. be the battery. <laughs> yeah, it's you could certainly do it. You could do a 300 amp. You could do a couple 100s, maybe balance the weight. Uh, you know, I know balance, weight balance is critical too, depending on how much sure. you got in there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's pretty exciting with all these new trolling motors out there, and I've, I'm hearing there's new designs, brushless things mm-hmm. like that. I'm not an expert on trolling motors, um, but I've, uh, people that I know in the industry manufacture them. They're telling me that there's going to be a lot of advances. Mm-hmm. happening over the next several years so yeah that's something that i definitely can't wait for is brushless because i mean yeah. they, they've got a few of the high-end 36 volt brushless trolling motors now uh i definitely can't wait till that trickles down for the smaller stuff we're using because for anybody that doesn't mess with any kind of electric motor brushed versus brushless is a like world of difference of difference yeah they huge difference. lower operating temperatures they can handle the strain forever is the xi3 uh brushless i don't I think know. so i i, I think that uh, so. like the lawrence trolling motor and i think one the new garmin or whatever garmin um, i think is brushless. and i think oh, the okay. newest minn Kota, the big one i think is brushless but there's not many of them out there yet yeah that will be kind of the trend down the line and that means it runs better off batteries the runtime because mm. the amperage is less uh, on brushless yeah. versus with the brush and so that means you get a better runtime off the battery which is a huge deal. Um, so mm-hmm. um, it'll be great. And I think there's going to be a lot of improvements along that front. Well, uh, that's interesting. Brad, did you have a bunch more battery questions? Because I had something I wanted him to hit on. Well, uh, just just the uh, 20 amp hour battery, just because I have one. Is, is there a reason why you guys decided to put the screw in post instead of like a spade terminal? Um, oh, on the 20 amp hour battery? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we have a harness that we typically manufacture with a ring terminal that we mm-hmm. normally put on there. So that was the reason behind it. Uh, we could do it with with a spade terminal, um, but we decided just because of the ring terminal and the harness, we, we decided to do that. That was the I only reason. You. And we had a legacy model that had screw terminals, and then now these just have um, just you know it's the same concept except with the with a nut and bolt. So. Um, yeah, I actually like that though because it it, yeah. it just makes it easier. I think the battery comes with the harness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we can add them with the harnesses. Um, customers can email us. Uh, we have accessories as well listed on the site. So, any harnesses uh, we can provide them. Uh, it tends to be easier to take it on and off. The 
the, uh, the spade terminals are, are on the 12 amp hour batteries just because it's a classic, you know, package um, that, that we didn't want to, you know, adjust. So, but on the 20 amp, you know, we made, we, we put those screw terminals on. Yeah, that's pretty. And, you know, like something with the spade terminals terminal versus the screw on terminal is you put one of those harnesses on and you're not constantly wearing the terminals out, pulling them on and off, exactly. on and off. So that's a yep. huge, huge advantage. Yeah, that's what we suggest as well. So with these batteries, use a harness because then you won't damage any of the terminal posts or, or the spade terminals. Just leave it on and then just physically disconnect from the harness. That's the best way to, to you know, to, to use the product. Oh, yeah. And, you know, for anybody listening, that would be the smarter. I mean, it's all about how fast you can get on and off the water most of the time. So exactly. go ahead and make it easier on yourself. Exactly. Yep. Well, yeah, well, if that was Brad's last question on battery, what about you, Brian? I want to get into some solar stuff because I know that's, that's a huge thing. <laughs> we've got uh, with the low voltage stuff out of solar. Yeah, we've got, um, we also provide uh, these foldable solar panels. We have larger ones. Mm -hmm. um, they're they're kind of like large, rigid panels that you put on the ground. This is a portable foldable solar panel. This is. Um, Called a, it's a called it's based on what's called monocrystalline technology. Um, it offers the most amount of power per unit square area. Um, has a connector cabling that comes attached to the um, to the panel, and then uh, we have these controller boxes um, that you can purchase um, with the with the solar panels, and you could charge any of the batteries. So if you wanted to, let's say, I don't have access to AC power. And you wanted to charge these out in the field, you could get a, a portable solar panel setup and charge these batteries. Um, of course, it'd have to be during the daytime. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know how that how that work out in terms of competition or tournaments, but uh, if you got the time or for some more casual use, uh, a lot of customers get the the battery first, and then they end up getting these solar panels to charge up the batteries. So you could use them for any size battery. Uh, we've got um, the ability to expand these panels out. So if you get like you can chain them together. We have um, on our website um, these larger 40 watt, 60 watt, even 100 watt, and they're all based on this foldable concept where they kind of fold up like this and they Velcro, they Velcro shut. So they're really lightweight, they're really easy to carry, a lot of power per unit square area. They're not like the little solar panels that you've, you've seen them, yeah, the, the ones that were for your phones. These, are, these put out the right power um, that's required for charging, you know, a battery of this size, you know. So if you um, wanted to get those panels, it's it's certainly it's very easy. It's automated. You don't have to. Uh, we got the setups, um, and we're seeing a trend um, for a lot of outdoors use uh, where if they don't have access to power, they're using solar to charge yeah. it up for whatever reason. Um, they're camping, or maybe you're you know you're going to go out there and you just don't. You're going to a place where there's no you know. AC power. You need solar to charge it up. No, yeah, that like we were talking about before with the you know that, that like micro camper. You know, the whole purpose of that was to be able to kind of you know get off the grid and camp wherever you want to. And I think that would be, I mean, that would really unlimit you. Really, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, cloudy rainy days can hinder. You know, you get a week of storms, blah blah blah. Yeah, but I definitely because you I mean you could couple that with inverters and you could have your yep. ac power like that's killer 
Exactly. Yeah, you can set up uh, larger panels. It's on our website, um, the BSP 100 series. You can uh, attach them to the top of a, of a camper or an RV, uh, feed it into the controller box, and then charge up the batteries uh, hmm. for, for those applications. Um, so it just depends on what you want to do. Um, and on the houseboats, on the larger boats, we've seen these solar setups um, where they put these thin panels um, and they, they, they mount it and they charge up the battery banks that they have. So that's um, interesting. You know, they've got the area to do that. What the going back to your the foldable series panels, um, what for like because a lot of the guys in kayaking are going for the 100 amp batteries. The guys that are serious, you buy everybody's getting the big battery. What would you need to efficiently and somewhat quickly charge one of those? Would you need one of those panels? Would you need, you know, to link like 400 watt panels together? What would you need? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so the 100 amp hour battery has like 1,200 watt hours of storage. So you do need um, a large panel set up in order to charge it within the day. So if you've got 200 watts, 200 watt worth of panels, it's going to take about five to six hours to charge up a drain battery. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's kind of a large panel array. Um, so you need the area to, to charge it up. So I would say 200 watts for a six hour charge time uh, on a 100 amp hour battery. Um, so most customers end up getting a couple of the 120 watt panels or a couple of 100 watt panels and that can charge it up within six hours so if the battery is completely drained. Right. So that's what I was going to say with these batteries, not discharge, you know, you know, you're not killing them in one day most of the time, unless you're doing something like Brad. So you could almost in theory, could you maintain it? So like yeah. it, it, if you only pulled it down 25%, you got off yeah. the water in time, the solar could maintain that yeah, where you're, you're, you're not having to drain and completely recharge, but you're kind of staying in that spot. You know, exactly. that's, that's awesome. Yeah, so if you pull, let's say, 25% off the 100 amp hour battery, you only pull 25 amp hours out of that battery, 120 watt panel, one piece would charge it up in a couple hours. So mm -hmm. you could, you, if that, if you didn't bring it all the way down, you'd like 25%, then you can capture that difference back because um, you only brought it 25% down, 75% remaining, charge it back up. So that would certainly work fine um, if your consumption is not a uh, heavy duty consumption throughout the day. So this has got my gears turning. I may have to get one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> no, this, it's interesting. How do I rig this up? Yeah. I'm already thinking like, where can I put this? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting. Like I, I didn't think a solar panel could like charge a battery that quick, you know, and plugging it, plugging the 100 amp hour into the wall here at home. It's, it's about the same, yeah. same time. I, I, I think it's like six hours to fully charge it depends it. how drained it is yeah, yeah it, depends how... it doesn't take long at all yeah i think like uh i you know a decent day on the water for me i'll pull it out um i think my trolling motor is 50 pound versus 55 but mm -hmm. i think mine typically charges in like maybe three or four hours and that's after a full day on the water you know I mean, yeah, the, not the necessarily running up current, like, you know. The the longest mine took it was it was just about six, and it was at Del Hollow when Brian had to tow me back because I had forgotten <laughs> to charge it and killed it. <laughs> it charged yeah. it. It, it yeah. took forever. I, I killed that. Like it was it, obviously just like you were talking about with the lithium, 
you know, I wasn't losing speed or power, but my low battery light came on on the graph and I was like, uh oh. Yeah, and I yeah. I started headed back, and not two minutes later, it shut off on me, just nice and quiet, just click. I was like, "Well, there it goes. Found the other end of the battery." <laughs> yeah, I that think... meter is going to be important to get for you guys. I, I think the, the even the little inline meter is probably a really useful uh, for what you guys need for sure. Yeah, that'll, gonna... that'll solve that problem quickly. Yeah, yeah. It was nice when I had them when I had the one battery running the graph and the. The motor, you know, my graph, you know, you have an option to put the voltage on the screen so you can watch your voltage fluctuate. Like I could, when I hit the motor on high, you could watch it pull the voltage down, you know, like the one tenth and I could just watch it going down. But normally I'm using the one battery for the motor and the one for the screen. So I have zero idea. I just have a lot of confidence that it's not going to (laughs) die. I was going to ask about that because when I messaged you or emailed you earlier in the year about batteries, you said to run separate batteries because of interference. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, there's um, right now um, from what I've seen is some of the transducers and the sonars and the trolling motor, the trolling motor has electrical noise that might get into the transducer on the fish finder. And so Mm -hmm. if you're running it on the same battery, that can all come back in. But it's from the motor electrical noise getting into the transducer and the sonar. Mm -hmm. And then because it's a common positive and negative path, it's a loop, it might the signal might get get into that. So they what I've heard at least on the those that are running on the bass boats, they said if they run them separately, that noise doesn't exist. Now I don't know um, how much it's Mm. an issue on every fish finder, but I've seen Mm -hmm. it happen. Um, and that's not from the battery. That's from one piece of equipment in the motor generating electrical noise going back into the transducer. And they say, what's this garbage that's on the screen? And so if they isolate it, then there's no way for that path to be common from the motor electrical noise going into the transducer. No, that's it's, it's, on, the, that's it's a, on the same path. A cool point, because separate. that day I was getting weird, you know, graph signatures. I was getting... You know, it was mostly clear, but I had a weird line, and I thought it was because yep. me and me and some of the guys were getting close to each other. And sometimes the transducers will ping off of each other, yeah, and you'll right. get weird zigzags and stuff. I thought that's what it was, but but it was something I had never seen in that particular way, and that's yeah. probably what that was. Because you know, the next day we went out, I separated my batteries again, and it was gone. I hadn't done it since. That's yeah, if you separate it, it will it will go away, and that you can confirm from the from the motor by turning it on and off and seeing how it registers on the graph. And so separating it, um, uh, we've been playing with that on on um, a few of the places we've been testing the fish finders with batteries and trolling motors, just by just isolating it. It's called you're separating the path, and that works, and it's gone. That noise. So awesome. Jimmy thought he was on a big school of fish. Little did no, he know it was just interference. <laughs> it it looked like a crazy, like, sound wave. It was just a wave yeah. going yeah. in the bottom of the graph, and I was like, "What is this?" And then I thought I was too close to. I think I was next to you, and I was like, "Well, we're, we're just pinging yeah. off each other," and then it just wouldn't go away. And I was I was like, "Well, maybe I've got a piece of grass hung on the transducer or something, something, you know." Weird. But no, that's probably what it was because it seriously hasn't done it since then. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Jimmy, we we got away from the solar panel stuff. We got back to batteries. So you want to circle around the solar panels? Yeah, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm trying to think of like he answered my question so quickly, and now I know what I want. But <laughs> so I'm trying to. So I, I got me, something. I've I mean, got one small question because it's something. So with my my camper, you know, it's already got uh, lead acid batteries and an inverter system in it. If I swap it to lithium, do you have to have a different inverter, or is that lithium is it compatible? It's compatible. Uh, the inverter controllers, um, the charging voltage is between fourteen to fifteen volts for the battery, and most of the legacy systems are in that same charging voltage range. So the circuitry in the battery will accept that as a valid input for charging the battery. So you can do a, a change out without having to change the box. Um, it will work. We've tried it out quite a bit on several units. Um, there's maybe a couple really old campers that the charging voltage is too low, but there's a way we, there's another box we can put in between um, that will fix it. that. Yeah, it yeah. will raise the voltage and then it will charge the battery fully. So there is a way around it uh, if the, if the box is really old um but for anything that was built in the past 25 years it seems oh, to be yeah, fine good. it's really the old stuff from the i've seen prior to that and Unless, were, and you'd be Brian, surprised we do a lot of interesting change outs and uh they they actually I, we've had customers that have rolled up here to our facility uh to do change outs um, that's awesome um so as long as brian hasn't didn't have this inverter he put in this trailer on his shelf for like 30 years i think i'm good yeah, no, no. I've good. seen the man redneck some stuff together, so I have to ask. <laughs> you're good on that one. That no, one but good. the paddle and fin trailer is going to get a freaking makeover. Like, I like it. I'm going like to map the top of that thing out in solar panels, put lithiums <laughs> in it. Yeah, that's sick. cool. Yeah, we've been talking about doing uh, doing a short bus and building that out and doing that solar so on top. That would fit you. I know. That's why we're talking about doing it. You and, you and Jay rolling around the country in a short bus. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's crazy. Um, the solar panels. So, uh, the folding the folding ones. How quick does that charge a 20 amp hour? Uh, the foldable panel here. This one uh, would charge up a 20 amp hour battery um, if it's half full in about three hours something like this. And then if it's completely drained about six hours, if you want to do it in one and a half hours, you just, you just need two of them. So okay. you get a pair wow. of these, they actually chain together. There's a chaining connection on the back and then they can, one plugs into the other. So they would plug in side by side. And then you can expand these panels out, which is what's really neat about is we give them that flexibility to expand out the solar panels. You can start with one, but you can add more if you need it. Ooh, here, so here's a question. So like if I have, because I have a 30 amp hour battery also, let's say I had a couple of the 125 panels sure. for charging the big battery. Could I charge the 30 with it or would it be like too much too fast? The same thing. No, you can do that. The circuitry built into the battery has a protection against the overcurrent function. Oh. So there, there's circuitry that's built into the battery um, that protects against that. Uh, you can use, um, the only thing is you got to use, you can't, I think it's, you have to use one controller for each battery. So in other words, you might need a couple controllers, but you could use the same panel. 
So you can use one panel, big panel, and feed two controllers. So you might need a couple controllers for each battery. Um, this is, you know, they're about $50, the base entry-level controllers. Um, and you could just get, you know, it's a couple that would just go into each battery. Um, That's cool. So, yeah. What do the panels run? Uh, the panels, they start at about $100, 105 and they go up okay. to about $200. they are in that range. Okay. Some are a little bit more expensive. The really high end is like 230 but they're yeah, pretty I mean, reasonable. The price points are good. Yeah, yeah, and for them being the high, you know higher end panels, like you said, putting out the correct amount of power, that's that's insane. That's killer price, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, are those 100% uh, waterproof, too? So the larger panels that are rigid, um, that have a glass laminate, they're waterproof. Um, this one is... Um, you don't want to leave this in a soaking rain. Um, mm -hmm. You can have water resistant, but it's not meant to be stuck in a soaking rain, this type of panel, because okay. this has a special type of nylon backing, and we just want to be careful. If you leave it out there too long, uh, you have to clean it up a bit because of this mm -hmm. material that we use. Um, so, But the glass ones with the laminate, with the aluminum frame, that's exactly the same material they use on rooftop solar. So the ones that are in a big suitcase, those, yes, that's fine. If it gets in the rain, it's not a problem. I'm, I'm about to go broke. I'm, <laughs> I'm about to solar. I'm gonna solar my house. Uh, yeah, we lost Brian nice. again, I think. <laughs> oh, but let's make sure we're all not about to fly out of here. <laughs> I know. Well, I think we're pretty much winding down anyway. We're we're getting close. So I... yeah, I was. I I can't think of any other questions. Um, it. I'm trying to think if there's anything I was wanting to ask that I missed on that we missed, but we've hit all of it. He, he you hit, you know, good job on all the detail, Kevin. Like, yeah, that was awesome. I learned a lot. <laughs> I really well, did. Appreciate it. Yeah, if you have any questions, let me know. Um, we can certainly answer them if you have more questions from the viewers or listeners. So appreciate the opportunity uh, and invitation. No, man. Yeah. Uh, we it, we wanted to get you on to you know spread the word about another great lithium company. There's a couple that the kayak industry are using that are kind of well-known and uh they're just really expensive <laughs> but i think that your product might i would be safe to say it's probably better it, you know i don't i don't hear a lot of the detail coming out of those companies you know mm -hmm. of what their product is how it's made you know you broke it down really well so we wanted to get you on to give other people a chance to know that there's another option and possibly a better option and you know get your stuff in as many kayakers hands as we can appreciate it thank you guys um and uh look forward to uh, talking to you guys at another time thanks again yeah yeah if you ever have any uh other new products you want to come on to talk about you're more than welcome to come back on that's for sure oh yeah appreciate it so yeah we'll we'll end this here uh again thanks for coming on the show um guys check out bio power they're some great batteries that everybody here in Paddle and Fins using. So, uh, yeah. Anything else, Jimmy? No, man. That's it. Another good show. Great show, man. That was fun. <laughs> kind of sad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we'll see you guys next week, and you guys have a good weekend. Peace.
Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20 20% on all your jig and tackle needs.